Welcome to Go Behind the Ballot, a podcast where two Texas moms go on an educational quest to demystify Texas politics. Join me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, as we deep dive into the most burning issues, hear stories from candidates, and offer hope in these challenging political times. Let's saddle up and go behind the ballot. Hi, friends. Welcome to this episode of Go Behind the Ballot. I'm Claire Campos O'Neill. And I'm Nicole Abshire. Thank you for tuning in. As a reminder, this is our Food Insecurity in Texas series. This is our mini episode, which we have on Thursdays. And this is sort of a tag along to the episode that we aired on Monday, where we interviewed Lawson Picasso. If you haven't heard that interview, I highly encourage you to stop this one, go back and listen. Wait, stop this one, go listen to hers, and then come back and listen to this one. Lawson was so generous to speak with us about her personal experience regarding being food insecure and living in her car for a period of her life and the challenges that came along with that. So Lawson was amazing. We learned so much about uh, just what it's like to be in that precarious state to, um, I mean, it just, you, she really... She really she helps put like a visual to what that experience is, and I think for a lot of us, some of these things can feel so abstract and like I don't really get it. But she helped ground it, and I'm just so thankful to the episode that we did with her. And as a reminder, Lawson is going to be on our South by Southwest panel March 13th. So if you want to hear more from Lawson and us and Celia Cole, our other panelists about food insecurity, come to our panel, especially if you have a badge for South by Southwest. And we will have all that information in the show notes. So if you're like, where, when, what, you can find it there. All right. So for this episode, we wanted to talk about some of our own personal experiences regarding food insecurity, whether our personal experiences or experiences that our families have had, Um, because it's one of those things where Nicole and I have this hypothesis that the reason food insecurity isn't so front and center is because it's very invisible to, to people I mean, it's it's invisible to those of us who are like in control of the media narrative. Politicians don't talk about it a lot because to be a politician, you have to have resources and money. And something that we're going to hear in a future episode from Celia Cole is that hunger is a money problem, really. So um, it's just important that we bring more visibility to this. And it was interesting for us to think ourselves, like, what what is this? What's our what's our history with it? Uh, so yes, Nicole, would you like to chime in? Yes. Well, I was going to you know, piggyback on to everything that you were saying, which is that it is amazing to me as we've had these conversations and then I start kind of digging back through my memories to realize that I do have connections to food insecurity, but how easy it has been to forget. Um, and I think that some of that is just because it's not fun to remember times when you know, things weren't as stable. So I think there's a a little piece of that. And then, you know, when life is sort of moving smoothly, it's very easy for me, particularly, I think, to get sort of tunnel vision and to and to take it for granted. And so it's been really interesting for me to have to look back and then also to think about that invisibility piece and my contribution to it, you know, meaning that I think a lot of times I, I just don't see what's around me 
or I don't see them through the lens of, I wonder what this person's life is like sort of behind closed doors. And that's what I really appreciated about Lawson is how she, I could imagine knowing her at that time in her life and having no idea that she was struggling in the ways that she was struggling. And so then it has really changed how I look at my present and wondering, you know, what I'm sort of missing around me. So that was really important. Yeah. I mean, that's making me think too about some of the themes that keep bubbling up as we're talking about food insecurity. And one of those big themes is this tension between individualism and collectivism. And I think, yeah, we see this as a person's particular problem, not as like a communal problem that we all have. Like maybe I'm not experiencing it, but if you're experiencing it, it, it that is a problem for the group. And I'm trying to be more conscious of that and sensitive to it and not so self-centered in this, uh, in this issue. Um, I mean, just a personal experience that's coming to mind right now is, uh, the H, the HEB, the grocery store that's closest to me serves, um, a low socioeconomic population. And you can tell that because when you're in line waiting, a lot of people are paying with cash. The transactions take longer because it's like a combination of maybe cash and their, their, um, I think, I'm guessing their snap credit or snap debit cards. And I can find myself getting really impatient with them because I'm like, I got my credit card, you know, I'm zipping in and out, but it's like, that's not their situation. And I need to just take a breath and, you know, be just patient with them and with the situation and not so selfish and be like, come on, folks, go faster. So yeah, I, I think just having this awareness is going to help me be a better human and hopefully a better community member. Um, because that sucks. I mean, it sucks that I'm sure for them too, that they're like, this is taking forever. <laughs> I might have to put something back. Um, and it's unfortunate because it's we're also finding a lot of these issues are systemic. It's not like they're going to go away in a couple of years when they make more money. That's not how it really works in America mm-hmm. with some of these low income jobs. Yeah. What a good point. I didn't even think about that. There's, yeah, there's so much to pay attention to um, if you will have kind of that open mindset. Um, well, and I had a moment where I flashed when we were talking about food stamps and I thought, I think my mom said that she was on food stamps at one point. And so then I wound up spending some time with her over the weekend and checked in. Do I remember this right, mom? Were you on food stamps at one point? And by the way, I got permission to share this. So I definitely wanted to make sure that it was okay with her. And yes, she was on food stamps way back in the 70s uh, when I was, I guess I was about two. And it was this period when my parents had just divorced. So she was a single mom. So she was, you know, obviously raising me and she was working as in a secretarial position at a university and it, you know, it didn't pay well. And she also, this also reminds me of Lawson, needed to buy a car. And so, you know, there was this sudden, you know, very important need that had to be met, a car to be able to get to work, to take me to daycare, all of those things. And of course that put a severe dent in her budget. And so she said that we, oh. <laughs> we have a friend, everybody. So. <laughs> we are having <laughs> everybody. We're having lots of sounds at my house. I don't know <laughs> between there's a, a mower outside, a dog in the house. 
Okay. Um, so she was in a very precarious position trying to make ends meet. And basically the way it wound up was, of course, then the last thing, I think this is true for a lot of people, is that last little bit of what's left of your budget is what you have left to spend on food, which wasn't very much. And so she sought out assistance and got food stamps. And this, of course, was at a time when it, they were literal stamps. Um, mm-hmm. Did she say how like easy or hard that was to access? <laughs> Pardon. This is going to be an interesting one. Um, I guess this is real life. Uh, and we're talking about real life. I'm just going to try to remind myself to be patient. Um, y'all, my dog is really sweet and adorable. But right now she's driving me crazy. Okay. <laughs> so, Yes. It was not easy to apply. I'm trying to remember all the little bits and pieces that she told me. But it it wasn't easy to apply. And, oh, the other thing that she kept running up against is a lot of disbelief. Because people would look at her income and the things that she was having to pay for and wouldn't understand how she could live on this. <laughs> you know, and mm. her response was always, well because I have to, you know, like, it, yeah, you're right. It's not much money, but this is what I have. Um, and so, so she got the food stamps and it, it was in these cycles. I think she said they were three month cycles hmm. and then you had to reapply. Oh. And so she actually only wound up doing it for one cycle. Like the benefit cycle. The benefit cycle. Exactly. Okay. And here's why. Um, Oh boy, let's see if I can do this without getting emotional. Um, So she was at the grocery store, she was paying, and there was a woman behind her who essentially shamed her because she was buying mushrooms. Mm. One of the items that she was paying for was mushrooms. And this lady said, I can't believe that you're using mushrooms, as if mushrooms are some sort of luxury item that someone who needs benefits because they're struggling should not be able to have. Mm -hmm. And it was so humiliating to her actually that she declined from that point on to, to get benefits. Yeah. And she could have used them. Yeah. That's so horrible. Well, Mm -hmm. and this reminds me too of our interview with um, Adam Johnson, this idea of the deserving and the undeserving, like, because you can't afford to buy food on your own. You don't deserve healthy food. You don't deserve foods that are going to contribute to your overall wellness. And it's like, what is that about? Why do we have that judgment towards people? And as you're saying too, your your mother's working a job, you know, like, and not that I'm saying you should, you have to, I don't think that you should have to have a job to receive these benefits. Some people think you do. Um, but even that is a, is a weird hang up that we have. And um, it's just so frustrating. I'm very frustrated by this judgment that we have. There's so many layers to it, right? The fact that that woman felt empowered to make a comment as if, you know, and you can tell that she's coming from a place of, I pay for this for you. Mm. You know, that's, that was the, the feeling that she was communicating to my mom is sort of like, I, because I am, you know, this taxpayer, I'm allowing you and you have the audacity (laughs) to 
by produce, mushrooms with what I am making possible for you. It's just like there's so many just really, frankly, nasty layers to it that mm-hmm. she felt empowered to say something so publicly and so shaming that, um, that yeah, that the that perception that if you are on some sort of public assistance, then you don't deserve also to eat healthily or to eat fresh foods that then if you're, I guess, I don't even know what she would imagine my mom should be buying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's really wild. It's yeah. really wild. Yes. Yes. I, yeah. There's so much like kind of punishment built into some of our social programs. Like I think I learned recently that with SNAP benefits, you cannot buy prepared foods. So like you can't buy rotisserie chicken. And God, I hope I'm saying this correctly. If I'm not, we'll come back and correct the record. But again, it's like, why? Like like preparing, buying, like why is buying prepared foods only a luxury available to certain people? Because to make your foods takes time, takes energy. If you are needing food stamps, you are probably already really strapped for time and to require that you have to invest those limited minutes into cooking your food instead of spending it with your family. It's like, why are we so uh, punitive in, in these matters? Um, I don't get it. I mean, I kind of get it, but I don't, I don't like it, I guess I should say. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. I think it's like, we get it. I think we all if we will really stop and think, understand the underlying messages and biases that make that kind of the norm. But yeah, we don't like it. And it's so, oh, I love this word because it's so applicable to like everything, but it's so myopic. It's so short-sighted. It's like, so we're saying that these folks who receive these benefits should eat crap foods because they don't deserve healthy foods. It's like, but they're, then they're going to have poor health and they're going to be in the hospitals more. And if you're saying that you need to be a productive member of society, they won't be able to be that because their bodies aren't functioning well because of what's you know what they're consuming. It's just ridiculous. And again, I think it's this narrative of like me and you instead of we. Like if you're doing well, we collectively are going to do so much better. And I just really hope... I don't know, thinking about like my kids and them growing up, that they grew up in a world that's more embracing of that notion instead of the one we kind of grew up with, because it clearly doesn't work. And as the wealth gap widens, we see the destructive nature of what we've been fed. And I'm just like over it. Like, I don't, I don't want to carry this into the next generation because it's not working. And this idea of pitting us once against one another, like us being, the ones not at the very top, top of the wealth, you know, equation. It's really, it's like, and I was telling you to do this, this is what's coming to mind. I was telling you this too, Nicole, recently I rewatched the Hunger Games and there's a line in there where Katniss has remembered to remember who the real enemy is. And I think about that. It's like, we are, you, your mom is not the real enemy to this woman. It's like, this is, it's a system that's been created that's pitting them against one another Perhaps that woman also struggles and she's jealous that she can't buy the mushrooms. It's like, we should all have the mushrooms. Like, why, why do we have to be this way? Yes, I completely agree. And it's also funny. I like, I find myself right now too, wanting to 
jump in and be like, and my mom was working full time. She was doing everything she could. But then we get back to that same place, which is, but why? Why do we have to get in that cycle of justification and, you know, proving that she was pulling herself up by her bootstraps? So why not give her a little bit of help, you know? And it's, yeah, it's such a, it's a, it's a crazy hamster wheel of that we just so easily fall into when it, what if instead we can yeah. have a more collective vision of health and wellness right. and deservedness and, you know, all, all the things that we do all deserve. Yeah. And isn't it like the crab bucket where like a crab tries to crawl out and the other crabs pull him back in? It's like, why can't, why do we do that to each other? It's like <laughs> this mutual destruction for what? for what it doesn't pay off that's for sure and mm -hmm. it certainly reinforces the current power structures yes remember who the real enemy is <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't yeah it doesn't benefit us people yes, yes. there are yeah. very few at the top but that it benefits mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i would even argue and i think you would agree nicole that if those at the top in power, you know, historically step back, they will start to see that actually the, se the system is not good for them either. I think even Adam Johnson was saying in our interview, he said so many incredible things that um, systems that are less cooperative or societies that are less cooperative, you see higher crime, you see less social cohesion. And that's also bad for the uber wealthy because there's some nations where kidnappings are high because you just have such the, such a disparity that people feel like their only option is crime or to do these things uh, that are illegal because how else do they survive? I don't want to live in that world where I'm like, worry, it's just... Here's the case for democracy, mm -hmm. right? For a true representative democracy. It does create stability. Like, it does absolutely create nationwide stability. If we have a strong middle class, if we have, you know, a governmental system that is compassionate and that is responsive to its citizens, yes, it absolutely benefits us all. We don't have to live in fear because we know that people have opportunities. We could see a justice system that is also responsive to people and that isn't just designed around punishment. We could have an educational system that creates opportunities for for people and yes, truly educates. We could look at, yeah, designing an educational system too that creates a strong working class so that we also have respect for trades and, you know, it, it yeah, there could just be such a different and better vision. And I would... I would just love to see that start to happen. Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if anything, and we have the skeleton, that's yes. the thing. Like mm -hmm. we have, it's, it's an articulated vision that we just haven't lived up to yet. So if we could just do that, if we yes. could just like make those promises happen. And there's moments where these programs break through which is incredibly shocking sometimes. Like it's incredible that we have SNAP benefits and they're still around and they're still available to families who need it. I think it's incredible that during the pandemic, we were able to pass the child 
tax credit, I think it was a child tax credit, where families basically got a check just for having children. That was such an incredible program, but it went away, sadly. I think it only was implemented for about a year. But so many um, economists have said the fastest, easiest way to support families is just to give them money, not to do these crazy programs. And I have received a check in the mail because I have two young kids, and I was like, wow, okay, I didn't have to do anything. This is amazing. Um and then the, like also, they also made it possible for schools to provide free lunch without qualifying. And that was such a success. It's gone now. But I guess the silver lining is we had it at one point so we could have it again. We just need more people to push for these programs that really do make a positive influence. And in the grand scheme of things, they're pretty cheap compared to, you know, if you don't invest, you know, you're, you're going to... It also is expensive to be cheap. So at some point, we're going to pay for not having things like this. So let's be proactive. Um, yeah. Uh, I was going to share. So, and another reason I'm like, government programs can be great is um, I was also talking to my mom recently, and she said that when she was younger, her parents were SNAP recipients. And they also had, like, she remembers the coupon book that they would use at the grocery store. Um and there was a period where her family was in government housing. They had a really big family. There was nine siblings total. And eventually they're able to get their own place. But it's like without those, um, I don't even know what the word is, but without those programs to help you save your money to get your things in order, it's so hard to get to that next place of self-sustainability that it's it's such proof that they work. When you look like looking back, it's like, and then they were able to buy this house. And then, you know, my family, my, my fa- parents were able to get like a step above that. And then I'm able to also, so you can like continue building that generational wealth, but you have to have, like Lawson said, those boots to begin with. And sometimes the government needs to give you those boots, but some, some people just want nothing. They want nothing. I It's just like we keep coming back around to, to, what I think, I don't know if this is our generation, Claire, or this is broader, but for sure, I always have to gut check myself because I, what is buried deep within me and my subconscious, I, I know was communicated to me by society, which is this idea that that welfare recipients are lazy and just want to receive, 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 and do nothing to receive And yet the truth is when I look around in my life and I hear people's stories and testimonies and I hear the reality, including my mom, of people who have received these kinds of benefits, I always hear stories that are the opposite of that other one that is in in my subconscious, which is that people are lazy and just want something for nothing. The truth is when I really look around, that's not it at all. Mm -hmm. It's people who are working hard and that little bit of an extra boost, they take it and they run with it. And they also want to not need that anymore. Mm -hmm. And so they are working to get out of the need. And so it's just like, I really hope that we can all continue to gut check ourselves and really realize where those those presumptions are hiding and let them go so that we can be more open to giving people little boosts when they need it. I mean, even my grandfather, for instance, right? World War II veteran, 
he talks about how much the GI Bill helped him. I think we also forget like how broad these programs are. It allowed him to buy land. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's just like there's so many ways that government can be a helper. And, and it doesn't mean that people then rely on government forever and ever and just want to be on the government dole. That's not it. But it it definitely provides a more just playing field. I won't say it's an even playing field, but I think like it's it's about equity, like just giving people a little something more so that they can continue to build on it. Right. Yeah. Creating some sort of floor that covers, you know, people's basic needs, like the right to housing, the right to healthcare, the right to food, the right to education. And perhaps that is pretty basic and Spartan, but it's there. And then you have hopefully the opportunity to um, create more wealth for yourself. But without that floor, I mean, we're talking about a lot of desperation and it's and it doesn't it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, we're we're one of we're like the only wealthy country that doesn't provide so, some social benefits that other wealthy countries do. And it's like, why? Like when you talk to people, most people do not like this. Most people do not like that you go to the doctor, and it's really a mystery what that's going to cost. Is <laughs> for me at least. Um, and it doesn't have to be like that. And the thing is, when you do take away a lot of the rhetoric, like welfare. People do agree on things, but we have connected language so much with a specific idea, like you're saying, Nicole, of what this is, that we that the conversation stops so early on. But a lot of that, it, a lot of the work is checking our presumptions and removing our blinders and challenging our assumptions, which we're trying to do, and hopefully our listeners are trying to do along with us. Because uh, yeah, I mean, we're like combating years and years and years of what we've been taught. It's amazing how effective and just how buried deep so many of those ideas are. It's just the thing that I know for me is often my first reaction. And it's it still shocks me every time. Like, no, 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 no. Because of course, I like to think of myself as compassionate and open and, you know, more, more willing to look at people's humanity than that, than to make assumptions and presumptions. But it's, yeah, it's a real, it's a real thing that is, that has infiltrated my thinking. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm ready to think differently because I, I know how much it's not serving me. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of people would agree with that too. Um, it can be different. Like there's a different way. We're going to, we're figuring out that way, but it's exciting. It is. <laughs> it is exciting. Yeah, So much better and healthier. Well, we will wrap up this mini episode, but we're going to continue our conversation on our Patreon that'll be coming out soon. <laughs> As she says with question marks at the end of her sentence. Yes, we have a Patreon coming soon. So we will have more conversations going a little bit deeper into the things that Nicole and I touch on. So keep an eye out for that. Sign up for that. Um, but yes, tell us too, what's what's been your experience? What do you remember? Do you receive um, SNAP benefits? Did your parents, your aunts, uncles, like what was, what was that real experience like? Because the narrative that we've been fed is like so far from reality. So what's the real reality? 
Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. We will chat with y'all soon. Thank you, everybody, for joining me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, on Go Behind the Ballot. Hopefully, we've demystified some little portion of Texas politics, and we hope that you'll do more with us. Check out our website at www.gobehindtheballot.com, where you'll find links to all of our social media, and you will find our community. Let's join together and do more. We hope you'll let us know what is working, and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks, everybody, and have a good one.